1: with dr frank turek ladies and gentlemen christians are told that you ought not get involved politically is that true what about the separation of church and state what about us causing people to stay away from the church and maybe the gospel because of our political views what do we say about that how do we deal with that Well, a man who has been engaged uh, politically and been engaged more so as a Christian apologist and an expert, actually, in Old Testament prophecy is Dr. Michael Brown. We had Michael on the program uh, in the last podcast to talk about his new book, Why So Many Christians Have Left the Faith. But his previous book had to do with the political seduction of the church. And in the book, Why So Many Christians Have Left the Faith, he also has a chapter called The Politicizing of the Gospel. Obviously, Christians have to be involved to a certain extent. In fact, let me just ask you two questions. First, um, should Christians care about how people are treated? Now, obviously, everyone's going to say yes, right? The second question is, should Christians care how government treats people? Well, yeah, if you care how people are to be treated, you got to care how governments treat people. So therefore, Christians have to be involved politically. But what is the right balance here? Can we go too far? And my guest, Dr. Michael Brown, said that yes, some Christians have gone too far, particularly in the last election cycle. In fact, Mike, tell us a little bit about the book, The Political Seduction of the Church, why did you want to write that book?
0: Well, I, I wrote the book because I saw Christians get so caught up with the last election that it seemed that they were better known for their identification with a candidate mm-hmm. than their identification with Jesus. It seemed that Christian ethics went out the window. Our social media pages were just as vicious, just as divided mm-hmm. as, as the world was. Uh, I saw how people got so caught up with wanting to see one candidate in that they had all these prophecies, he's going to be elected. And one pastor with a church largely filled with millennials told me that with the aftermath of the elections and things followed, he lost about 500 people. They walked out the door of his church building because they were so alienated. With, with It seemed that this was the big issue, mm. that if you went to church, you weren't going to get lifted up by Scripture or challenged to follow the Lord or, or hear Jesus exalted. You were going to hear a political sermon. So by all means, we are called to be involved politically. Voting is a sacred gift that we have here in America. And obviously, there are issues of justice, issues of, of righteousness, issues of, of, of life and death that the government's involved with, so of course we should be involved. And some are even called to, to political activism, even to run for politics. Mm-hmm. The church should be informed. My friend James Robinson says the worst political seduction of all is just to drop out and do nothing. And we know that, that tens of millions of, of evangelical Christians don't even vote. you know we 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 understand that but when i'm better known as 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 a maga hat wearing republican who's going to defend donald trump to the hilt better known for that than being a witness for jesus something's gone wrong Mm. when i get caught up with election fever that the whole world is it's it's if we don't get this candidate in it's all over failing to recognize that yes there are good values in one party and bad values in another party But failing to realize that the political system itself is still fleshly and of this world, and that the parties are still fleshly of this world, that there is no righteous savior in politics, we get caught up in a very, very unhealthy way. So I I watched it happen in front of my eyes. I watched the division. I watched the hatred, the vitriol, doing live talk radio like you, the polarization. And, you know, Christians calling in, you can't possibly be a Christian and vote for Donald Trump. And next call, you can't possibly vote and be a Christian and not vote for Donald Trump. And I said, I I thought what decided whether we're Christians or not was our relationship to God through Jesus, Mm -hmm. not Donald Trump. Mm -hmm. So somehow we got so caught up. And I know it was terribly alienating for people. I I just heard from someone who was was a Christian went through a period of deconstruction, used to attack me online as, as an Episcopalian called Progressive Christian and writing for, for an atheist blog. That's, that's how much she had turned away from the faith in the name of Progressive Christianity. And one of the things that further pushed her was this p- politicizing of the gospel. Thankfully, She began to do a kind of a reconstruction and is now solidly back in the faith with orthodox views. It's wonderful to hear her story, but all this politicizing helped drive her further away as well.
1: Now, how much of the politicization, easy for me to say, I'm from New Jersey, so I don't speak very well, but um, how much of this is due, do you think, to Christians being overly zealous uh, for politics or how much of this is due to the media only highlighting what christians do politically
0: right so number one there are issues that we're very zealous about mm-hmm. we should be zealous about the issues of abortion we should be zealous about protection of children and families we should be zealous about about open borders that are bringing fentanyl in that are slaughtering tens of thousands of americans every we, we, we should be concerned about these things we should be concerned about what communist china could potentially do or radical islam could do these are life and death issues and these are important issues in god's sight as as well so it's important that we care about the issues but we put too much trust in the political system to change things politics has its place but the principal change is going to come through the gospel changing hearts and minds so we, we put our trust in the wrong place, and then the media exacerbates it. Mm. The media then constantly is stoking things, one way or another, because, hey, that's how you get eyes on your, on your TV show or clicks on your website. It has to be sensationalistic. So you have the, the right bashing the left and the, and the left bashing the right. Everything gets further polarized. You now feel you have to defend your candidate or defend your side. So you get now pulled in on an emotional level, and then in addition— All you need is a few Christian leaders making a few statements, and now we're all guilty. Mm, We are mm -hmm. all hyper-Christian nationalists Mm -hmm. who were part of the insurrection on January 6th, and we all want to overthrow the government, especially if we're white Republican evangelicals. So everybody gets branded, tarred, and feathered the same way. And now we get defensive over it. We're fighting battles we shouldn't even be fighting.
1: So what are... Or what is the proper balance that Christians should have in the political realm? Because quite obviously, we can go too far, as you've documented. On the other hand, we can go the other way and not be involved at all. And then we're not caring for people. We're not caring about life. We're not caring about religious freedom. We're not caring about people, as you say, coming across the border, bringing not only drugs, but maybe terrorists are coming. They're they're trafficking women across the border. Uh, We're not caring about what's happening from the government's perspective when it comes to transitioning children in so-called gender-affirming care. You know, the government now wants to force that on parents. If we don't get involved there, um, then we're not fulfilling our duty to seek what's good and right and to be salt and light. But yet, on the other hand, we can go too far. So what's the proper balance? How do we do it?
0: Right. So so in the political seduction of the church, I, I go through... The issues the last chapter very practically i have a checklist of 17 things from previous books that i had warnings about uh, in, in terms of yeah i'm a trump voter but here are concerns that i have mm-hmm. and and i said basically we we botched most of those 17 we, we got them wrong so let's let's kind of learn from that and then where's our emphasis our emphasis sh- should be on the fundamentals of the gospel that's where everything starts our own relationship with god being disciples making disciples knowing god making God known. Everything starts there. That should consume our heart, our attention, first and foremost. And, and then we work in, okay, politics has its place. So what does it mean? We don't need to be following the polls three years in advance. We don't need to get all caught up emotionally as if every vote is, is going to determine the future of the universe. Mm-hmm. So we need, to, we need to avoid election fever and then be informed, educate on the issues have our congregations understand what the issues are. So we're dealing with the issues all the time. In other words, in the local school, what's happening with our kids there? Let's be involved. And and things are going in a wrong direction? Well, maybe some should run for school board and displace something that's destructive. But it's all part of a larger strategy to be salt and light. So we, we keep our priorities right. We also recognize God's heart for missions for the whole world. The more you think in terms of the whole world here in the gospel, then you realize, wow, America is very strategic, because America has a lot of influence. But America is not the, the end all. You, you get a larger picture. And then the issue of identity. I want to be known as a Jesus follower. Mm-hmm. I, w- I was supposed to be on CNN a, a couple of years back when Trump was president. And I was, I was going to be debating kind of a liberal Christian or liberal Republican about how you could be evangelical and vote for Trump what i wanted to shout out for the nation here just before the interview they canceled the segment because of another russia some news from russia whatever that was that was the big thing (laughs) another
1: fault okay yeah
0: yeah yeah whatever Mm -hmm. it was i was supposed to get picked up six in the morning for Mm -hmm. the show and like midnight they said oh we had a schedule change but i had already planned out what i wanted to emphasize i wanted to shout to the whole world jesus died for my sins He's my Lord. He's my Savior. He's my all in all. I owe him my life. I owe him my eternity. He is my everything. Oh, and I voted for Donald Trump. Let, let's shout the right message out so that we are identified for certain thing. We never become mean-spirited and nasty like the world. We can speak the truth clearly, boldly, but we never become mean-spirited. And then say, hey, look, here are the issues. When I look at the slaughter of the unborn, tens of millions, I think that's a big issue to God. Mm -hmm. And and I felt Donald Trump would do a better job of stopping that than Hillary Clinton. Just kind of lay the things out. So it's not about personalities. Mm -hmm. I understand all the problems and the flaws with the man. I I get that. We all get that. But hey, when it comes to these life and death issues, I felt you would do a better job. When it comes to my life and who I follow, watch my life and listen to Jesus because he's the one. He is the Mm -hmm. centerpiece.
1: Yeah, I think it's important to bifurcate the personality from the policy uh, because we are— when we vote, particularly in a presidential election, ladies and gentlemen, we're voting for 5,000 people to go to Washington in an administration, and we're voting for a platform. We're not just voting for a personality at the top of the ticket. And I guess my question is, Mike, um, as, and you have this in the book, Why So Many Christians Have Left the Faith, you you give us a, a thought experiment when you say, okay, let's go back to uh, the 1800s when... Douglas and Lincoln were going at it for the presidency. Douglas wanted to keep slavery in place. Of course, Lincoln wanted to get rid of it. The question is, could any Christian vote for Douglas in in good conscience, given what Douglas was for? And if you fast forward to today's day, we could do the same question on abortion or on gender affirming care for kids or open borders or... Um, a number of other issues of uh, religious freedom. Can any Christian vote for what appears to be anti-biblical viewpoints in the democratic platform? So how do you respond? I, I do
0: not see how, in good conscience before God, any Christian could vote, let's just say abortion, mm-hmm. could vote for a candidate who stands for, quote, a woman's right to abort her baby, mm-hmm. I I understand how they could say, well, I I got a problem with Trump or I don't trust the political system. I get that, mm-hmm. I understand that. Mm-hmm. But to vote for a candidate that is pro-abortion, I cannot see how a Christian can possibly do that without having blood on their own mm-hmm. hands. And when people say, well, look, we've had all these different presidents, Roe v. Wade was never overturned, and it doesn't matter. Oh, well, now we see it does mm-hmm. matter. Now we see that a certain person can get certain justices in in the Supreme Court, and those justices will make a righteous decision to undo something terrible decades old. So it it does make a difference. I actually wrote a chapter at the request of one conservative author explaining why some Christians vote Democrat. Because they've said to me, look, it's never going to change on the big level. So I'm concerned on the local level. And I see this. The Republicans, they don't pay attention to me. But the Democrat, I can talk to them about education. And these Republicans, they put these justices in and the the prison sentences are unfair. So I'm looking at justice on the ground. I I get the arguments. Mm -hmm. I've interacted with people about the argument. I wrote a chapter explaining it. And then at the end of the chapter, Mm -hmm. I said, but I cannot agree with it because of this fundamental thing. No more than the days of slavery. I could not possibly see any justification for voting for a candidate that supported slavery any more than I could see justification voting for a candidate today who supports abortion.
1: Yeah, and that's the problem that we deal with when we talk about politics. People think that We're just for people based on their personality. And how could you be for? And I've said on this program so many times that I think Trump's policies were very good, but his demeanor, many times, and some of his private behavior in the past anyway, was immoral, quite obviously. And so what people tend to do is they tend to conflate those two things and they say, they ignore the policy position and they say, you couldn't, how could you vote for such a bad personality? Right? How could you vote for somebody that uh, has done all these evil things and is such a jerk in public? Right? Why? How could you do such a thing? He's not a Christian. He claims to be a Christian, but he's not. He's got all this bad behavior. Yet on the other hand, he's putting in policies. He's putting policies in place that are actually good for people and good for the country. And so I think what we have to do as Christians is we have to we have to continually highlight we're for certain policies. And we don't, we're not the ones that make the platform, Mike. I mean, the platforms are what they are, right? You look at the Republican platform, it's not perfect. I'm not a fan of the Republican Party. But when you look at the Democratic platform, you go, look, these are just things they're for now. They're for abortion. They're for using race to divide people. They're for open borders. They're for gender-affirming care. They're for uh, taking away religious freedom. of I mean, how can you support that? I, I don't get it. I just don't.
0: Yeah, and I, I've I've looked at the platforms. I've contrasted them on every level. Mm-hmm. And, and look, I don't put my trust in a party, no. right? And we recognize there's corruption in, in human beings and things like that. But there are platforms, and when you work it out, the candidates and the parties do basically vote according to their platforms, mm-hmm. ultimately, once they're in it. And these are a lot of life and death issues. A- again... I have no problem if it was every day of the week saying, ah, oh, I wish Trump didn't say that. Oh, that's embarrassing. Mm-hmm. I, I've, I'll distance myself all the time. I don't have to defend him. But boy, I'm so glad he did this. Mm-hmm. I'm so glad he did that. And, and the, the, the big question is, is always, again, how much trust we put in the political yes. system. We just have to recognize it can only go so far. What it does is really important but it's not the gospel. It doesn't change someone's heart from the inside out. It doesn't regenerate them. It doesn't transform their families, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So let the gospel do what the gospel does. Let politics do what politics do. And let us not get caught up with looking for the new savior. No, it's true. Well, Trump, yeah. well, he found, Okay, yeah. now it's DeSantis, right, now right. it's No, no, there is no savior That's right. other than Jesus. When I would hear people say, "Only Trump could save America." Remember, I voted for him twice. Mm-hmm. I want to shout out, no, no, you, you don't put any human name in that sentence other than Jesus. Uh, only Jesus can save America. Right. If we shout that out and then explain why we vote for various platforms mm-hmm. and things like that, mm-hmm. here it comes down to this. You, you got Rottweilers with rabies biting kids. In, in the elementary school parking lot, you don't have a dog catcher in your community. You got one guy, the sweetest, nicest guy in the world, happily married. His kids love him. No profanity. Doesn't even smoke a cigarette. But he couldn't catch a dog if you gave him a nuclear bomb. You got another guy, a complete jerk profane, mean-spirited. His wife left him years ago. His kids won't talk to him, but this guy catch a dog with his own teeth. That's the dog (laughs) catcher. (laughs) You know, because you're dealing with Rottweilers. Mm -hmm. So I'm not calling Democrats Rottweilers. I'm not saying that Mm -hmm. at all, but we're dealing with life and death issues. Mm -hmm. So... We vote accordingly Mm -hmm. and and a vote on a certain level is almost always an imperfect vote because it's for an imperfect person, imperfect party, imperfect system. Mm -hmm. So put it in its right place, let your identity shout out who you are and how you live, and then we can make a proper difference. Yeah, it would
1: be better to explain these things rather than leave people wondering. You know, you got to qualify certain things that you do in public to let people know. Well, here's here's why. In fact, you and I, you you say in the book and, and I, I think I've said before in the primary, I voted for Ted Cruz. Right. Same I, yeah, here. I thought yeah. I thought he would be the better candidate. Uh, but once once you get down to Hillary versus Trump, you know, you're holding your nose, but you're going I got to go with the policies here. I got to go with the policies. And so that's what I did. And the same thing when it you know, when it came to Biden, I, I got to go with the policies. And now. You know, two and a half years into the Biden administration, he's far worse than I ever thought he would be, uh, given, the, given the policies he's putting out. and Yeah, I mean, he's moved increasingly to the left. Mm-hmm.
0: During one of the primary debates, he publicly shifted his views on abortion mm-hmm. and said that he would now be against the Hyde Amendment. Mm-hmm. He has become tremendously aggressive in, in terms of transgender yes. activism. Obviously, in his view, either he thinks it's politically expedient or he thinks it's, it's the right thing to do. Either way, we, we pray for his salvation and categorically differ with where he's going. The good news is there's a pushback because things are going so far and they're so extreme that most Americans didn't really sign up for that. Mm. And, and Biden was really elected as the anti-Trump. You know, so much hatred for Trump got him in, but people didn't quite uh, know what they were voting for in many cases. And now things are opening up more. So let's just show the difference between systems and worldviews. Look, when it comes to our borders, we want to be compassionate Americans. We want to welcome genuine refugees and people in need. America should, should be a yeah. safe haven mm-hmm. as it has been through, the, through the, the couple of centuries plus of its existence. But that has nothing to do with open border policies that, that let all kinds of destructive elements in. So let us stand for righteousness, compassion, but there are right and wrong ways to do. I remember Charles
1: Krauthammer talking about this, you know, Charles passed away three or four years ago, but he always had some good insights when it was during the Obama administration, when, uh, the call was to put a wall on the border because we have all these drugs and all the sex trafficking and all these uh, illegal aliens coming across the border. And, you know, we don't know what they're bringing. They gotta, they gotta go through the right, uh, channels to get in. And, uh, Obama said walls don't work, and Charles Krauthammer said, if walls don't work, why is there one around the White House? <laughs> you know mm-hmm. I mean, <laughs> of course, everybody believes in borders. The, around the Vatican as well. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> everybody believes in borders. You know, you you have a, you, you might disagree on where the border is, but you have a lock on your door, don't you? You just don't let anybody in to take whatever they want or to come in and do whatever they want, because security is necessary. We live in a fallen world, so security is necessary. We as Christians should want to help people from, uh, different uh, uh, different areas of the world. And if we can take them in, we can. But we can't take the whole world in. It's just impossible. You just can't do that. Uh, what we have to do is export our system. It sounds imperialistic, but when you have a good system, you ought to export it for the good of people. But to export what we're doing here to other places so they can also enjoy in the fruits of a capitalist uh, system that has certain controls on it. Uh, because we can't take everybody here. So all these things need to be taken into consideration when we're voting and who we're voting for. And I think, again, the key is to distinguish between policy and personality. And also, if we're concerned about the gospel, we have to be concerned about politics because politics affects our ability to preach the gospel. In fact, as you know, Mike, there's people being censored because of what they believe and what they're saying on social media. And, uh, of course, in other countries, they're completely prohibited from preaching or living the gospel.
0: Yeah, it, it, we have no one to blame if we allow things to change on our watch. Mm-hmm. Dietrich Bonhoeffer said the ultimate test of a moral society is the kind of world that it leaves to its children. Mm-hmm. And if our kids can't freely preach and believe because of our negligence, if if Christian schools have to conform to things that, that cause the compromising of their values or they get shut down, We're to blame if we let these things happen on our watch. So again, it's just putting everything in its proper place. When we confuse politics with the gospel, when we look to human beings as saviors, when we become more identified with a person, when we become appendages of a political party, Mm -hmm. those are the dangerous things. But don't swing from that to just, well, heaven is our home. And we're only passing through. Yeah, we're passing through, but this is, this is where we live our entire lives. <laughs> this is where our kids and our grandkids grow up. This, this is the stomping ground. This, this is the proving ground for eternity. And this is our one and only opportunity here in this world. So once you start thinking of the implications for eternity, all the more is what we do in this world important. So put things in their proper place and then be involved, make a difference. It's part of us being salt and light without being seduced by the, the power of politics. What,
1: one more question on this, Mike, and then I'll let you go. And that is, I know that some pastors are afraid to bring up anything political because they think it's gonna turn people off to the gospel. However, <laughs> now in places like Canada, the Bible is part of politics now. You can't preach certain scri- uh, scriptures because they politically they said, oh, these, this is hate speech, particularly the LGBTQ issues, right? So what do you say to a pastor who is saying, well, you know, if I even mention anything political, uh, I may turn people off from the gospel. What's your response?
0: First thing, your people live in this world and are dealing with this every day. Mm. Kids in school are dealing with this. Parents in the workplace are dealing with this. If you don't talk mm-hmm. about these issues, you're being negligent because mm-hmm. it's just on a pastoral responsibility. I was urging one megachurch pastor. I said, it's not political. It's pastoral. Mm. It's pastoral. When I give a talk at a church, can you be gay and Christian or something, there's a long line of people wanting to talk to me, often standing there crying, one story after another. how do we handle this? What do we do? Should I go to a same-sex wedding or not? What about my kid is now this and that? How do I act? So these are, quote, political issues, cultural issues, but it's real life. So what about race issues? What about an agenda in, in school that, in the interest of being fair, now goes too far and now now brands people as guilty by race and things. This is, your kid goes to the school. Mm. What do you do about it? So this is a matter of addressing pastoral issues, number one, that your people are dealing with. They, they need help. A George Barner survey found that, that 90% of pastors said, yes, the Bible does address political and cultural issues, but only 10% of them use the Bible to address them. Conversely, the congregants wanted their pastors to address them according to the polls. Yes. So the need is there. And, and secondly, if we don't set a standard of righteousness, if we don't call for justice, go back to the days of slavery. Who were the, who were the abolitionists? They were Christians. Mm-hmm. This was a Christian-led movement pushing back against a false Christianity that, that supported abortion. So if we don't lead the way, supported slavery back then, if we don't lead the way, who will? Mm-hmm. If we don't speak up, who will? Jesus, in a different context, says, if the light within you is dark, how great is that darkness? So it's not a matter of preaching political sermons, and we need to vote Republican because the Republicans are God's party, and this is God's man. No, no, but we need to say, look, here's some real life and death issues that the Bible addresses. God felt it important to put this in the Bible. Look at how much is in the Bible about justice, about this, about that. So as informed people, let's lead the way in setting a godly example. Oh, and when it comes time to vote, let's vote based on these values. It's part of our pastoral responsibility and part of our prophetic responsibility. Yeah, our mutual
1: friend Tony Perkins has said that when you start preaching on these issues, some people will leave your church, but then many more are going to show up, and they're going to be true disciples because they want to be, they want to be led, they want to know what track to run on. And you know, one thing that I've discovered recently, Mike, it makes a lot of sense, and that is, is that ambiguity breeds anxiety and mm, when people don't know what to do about certain issues they get anxious and yet pastors have the answers to so many of these issues and we're supposed to preach the truth to take care of our flock and leave the results to God that's what we're supposed to yeah. do if we if we merge grace and truth together
0: mm-hmm. you know look if you have a multi ethnic congregation mm-hmm. the social life experiences are often very different so listen you you, you listen you understand so you can speak with sensitivity and wisdom. You don't want to sound like just the, the TV, the, the pulpit extension of CNN or Fox, right. but let's be gospel preachers. But Frank, I, I will quote you on this, that ambiguity leads to anxiety. Yeah. There was this whole emergent church movement that celebrated ambiguity. I don't know. You don't oh, yeah. know. It's still going Nobody on. Nobody knows. I said, well, then why Christians. are you leading? Yeah. Well, mm-hmm. Where are you leading? Mm-hmm. And they'd say, the destination is not so important. It's the journey. Mm. I said, no, I would rather have a really rough journey to heaven than a wonderful journey to hell. <laughs> but but you've, you've had a generation growing mm-hmm. up with this celebration of ambiguity, which leads to that uncertainty, which does lead to anxiety. Just like a child that has no boundaries in their life, they're, they're actually wanting boundaries because it That's gives right. them a certain feeling of security. So I I think it's something for us to really hold on to, especially with the younger generation that's been raised with so much spiritual ambiguity and you can't know for sure. Of course, it produces anxiety. We have a certain truth, an absolute certain truth that will bring eternal peace and an unshakable peace right here in this world.
1: Well said, Mike. Before I ask you uh, where people can find more about you, i got to mention, ladies and gentlemen, I'll be in Thousand Oaks, California, this weekend, March 12th, at God Speak Church. Check out the website for more information. Then the following week, University of Vermont, uh, and also a church up in Vermont. Check our website for more. Mike, you're out there speaking quite a bit. Uh, Where can people learn more about you and how they can see you, how they can hear you, what your website is? Go ahead.
0: They can download the Ask Dr. Brown Ministries app. Make sure you put ministries in. Ask Dr. Brown. Ask Dr. Brown Ministries app. They can listen to the show live daily, get all of our latest articles, videos, our Jewish outreach website, all there. Or they can go to the website. In fact, if they go there, make sure to sign up for our emails. AskDrBrown.org. AskDrBrown.org. We want to put you in our welcome tour, send you a free mini ebook on how to pray for America. And then share more about my own testimony from LSD to PhD and all the resources we have. So that's AskDrBrownMinistries.org. And either of them will have my itinerary to see where I'm preaching, teaching. And if, if you're on our email list, we'll notify you when I'm coming into your area. And
1: Mike, one other thing. You have the best website, I think, about Messianic Prophecy. Tell people about that.
0: You're RealMessiah.com. Mm-hmm. Uh, RealMessiah. So you'll find that on the app when you scroll down. RealMessiah.com. A bunch of debates I've had with rabbis, all there, free to watch. Maybe the top 100 objections to the faith with short video answers and written answers, uh, other dialogues, keys to understanding messianic prophecy, all there for free at realmessiah.com. Check
1: it out. It's great stuff. In fact, Dr. Brown has written some great books I have up on my shelf up there on Old Testament prophecy, Messianic prophecy. He answers all the objections in those books. And go to realmessiah.com for more. Mike, it's always a pleasure being with you. Thank you so much for all your work. Well, thanks for having me, Frank. God bless. All right, folks, we'll see you here. Uh, well, actually, you're going to see uh, Elisa Childers and Natasha Crane uh, this Friday on the podcast. So check it out. We'll see you again the following week. God bless.